Good morning, ladies. So nice to see you. So today we are going to, well, let's just get into it and we'll see what we're going to do. So I'm going to read first read something to you. The journey of the soul coming home to ourselves is our lifetime work to know the innate bliss and divinity of the soul. So all of these efforts and all of these practices and all of these gatherings that we do are just in the hope, in the desire, in the longing that we should find our own path, the portal or portals that work for us to reconnect with who we intrinsically and innately and deeply and authentically are and to strip away that which is not us and then to go into the world and then to see how that works, to go into ourselves, to live into that fullness of being the journey of the soul coming home to ourselves, our lifetime work, that this isn't an accomplishment that you get and then you're there. This is our journey for the life, our entire lifetime. We're always deepening more into who is our existential self. Who is that self beyond the senses and the tactile that we so easily can make judgments and reference from, but what's beyond that and how do we deepen into that? So we've been talking the last several weeks about self-observation because that is such a uh, useful and powerful tool for this journey of the soul. Because without us recognizing where we are, it's very hard for us to imagine a path forward. We have to know where we're starting. Then we figure out how it is we're going to journey and what that looks like. But if we are not able to authentically connect with who we are now, we don't have any context. It's like a ocean of nothing. We don't know where we are. Who, do, who are we moving forward? Who are we deepening into? So we, this last several weeks, we talked about the four basic guidelines for self-observation, that we should self-observe without judgment, just take in the information of what we see about ourselves in any situation, just in general, not making a judgment, not categorizing it, just watching it. The second being observe, observing without change. So allowing ourselves to get into some hot water and not immediately having to get back out, just to allow that, that we want to know ourselves, to know our starting point. If we immediately try to change it, we've already distracted the attention that we have on self-observation by a judgment or a process that we want to go into to make something different. We just want to observe without change. The third is noting the sensations in your body, getting to be better equipped to understand what happens in your body when certain triggers are going off so that you are in advance of responding and being pulled and sucked into something. You are already observing the very subtle movements. We have to pay attention and learn. And the last is, and probably the most difficult is ruthless self-honesty. We can make up, I, I was just, going through some decision here. And I was noticing how I, in my mind, I was defending my position that I'd already made this decision. And now I was trying to back up and, and like I was explaining to somebody why that decision was actually accurate and, and perfect because I didn't want to admit that, that might, I might've had a reason, my rationale for it wasn't really that, that strong. It really wasn't, but I wanted to do something in a certain way. So I was gonna defend it anyway. I wasn't being honest. 
And I had to go back and look at that and say, it's okay that you may want something this way, but don't try to make up why it should be that way so that you can hang on to the should of it and, and use that as your defense because it's not honest. You just simply want to do it that way. It doesn't need to be done that way. So we really have to be willing to look honestly at our decisions, our language, our movement, so that we can, in our self-observation, get to know ourselves. So now that we have accumulated these nice four guidelines and steps, we can look at what's behind the process of self-observation. Remembering that the aim for the mature soul is a free and stable attention in every moment. A free and stable attention that we don't want to be triggered. This was the question we asked in our check-in. What in this past week has triggered you? And we don't, we want to be able to walk through life and be um, unbuoyed and unsinkable. It's, it's not that things just bounce off of us. It's that we don't have to jump into a triggered reaction when something happens. We have the opportunity to step back, think about it, decide how we would like to respond, and then respond. So self-observation is a very challenging act. The more we try, the more we notice that we are by nature habitual creatures. So this is the way our brain is programmed and this is the way we have practiced our life is that we put things into certain patterns and they're shortcuts and it's easy. But the problem with that is that it stops us from expanding into other possibilities because we're too busy being in the habit of responding. It makes us very efficient, but it doesn't actually deepen us. So the task of self-observation requires rigorous attention and a formidable will. We have to be really, we have to be decisive. This is what I want is I want to really know myself. So what is the truth of our state of being? So at the soul level, we're pure consciousness, pure attention, pure presence, pure awareness, nothing else. The others are things we've added on through our sensory and our um, emotional and our mental constructs. But at the core of our being, the eternal nature that we are is pure attention, pure consciousness, pure presence, pure awareness. We usually use these words to mean uh, paying attention, active presence, noticing. These are all action words. And underneath of these actions are impressions and thoughts. So these action words is the doing of our life. Underneath of the doing is the being. So doing and being are two layers of our experience in this embodied form. They're both necessary. We need to be able to do in our lives and to orchestrate our lives. And we need to be able to simply be and touch in with that deeper sense of consciousness and awareness and presence that goes beyond the doing. So right now, it's like this. Right now, we're experiencing life on a very gross level. The world is tactile. We experience and we are expressing ourselves through our five senses and whatever emotional and mental responses we have. So as we work to acquire the acumen and the discipline of being, we start to deepen, we create like parallel, they're like parallel roads, paths in our system. One, one path is on the, um, it, it's having the experience of what's happening to us as it comes in. And we're keep, keeping track of what people say and what's going on around us and how we're feeling about it. And the other, and that's our embodied form experience. That's fabulous. But the other path, the other track that's parallel to this is this heightened experience with our eternal nature. 
These are both happening in us simultaneously. It's not either or. They're both happening to us. But what happens when we live in this concrete world is that we tend to be more of the concrete and less of the ethereal, more energetic, more eternal nature. And the busier and the more encumbered we become by whatever issues are happening around us, we can become almost completely about the embodied form. So as we enter into a more expanded state of attention or consciousness or awareness, this is where we access collective wisdom and collective consciousness. This is the unity. This is the sense of being part of the whole that people will say they've experienced in heightened states of meditation or you know whatever, however they've gotten into it on certain retreats. They go into a space, a trance-like space where they feel this expansion where their boundaries of their physical nature disappear, dissipate. And what we're trying to do is to bring in that experience into our everyday life so that we don't have to just experience it in deep meditation or in a retreat setting, that it can be how we walk through the world, that we're both concrete and not. So we have to be attentive to both of these layers in our experience, the doing and the being, balance ourselves internally as our soul nature and into the world. And we're less triggered and we're less likely to be thrown off balance when we have. So this is Siddhi did the beautiful um, pranayama of both our left and our right nostril because they bring in a different kind of balance. We're trying to be fully balanced into our eternal nature and the physical nature that we are here right now. So we begin to ponder these two journeys in parallel and we start to think, how do I incorporate those two in my everyday life so that I'm living in fully into both of those spaces, not one or the other? How do I push the edge of my usual expectation of how life works and have an expanded nature of who I am? This is a very powerful opportunity for us to start. It's like there's a wall around us that we're how we're experiencing life right now. And we just start pushing against it. You take a breath and you push against it. And you say, I can incorporate a space that's larger than my physicality, that includes more of an experience of my entirety, not just the physical nature of myself. I'm going to give myself this, bu this bubble to exist within, which has both, which has both. The journey of the soul coming home to ourselves, our lifetime work. It's not either or. It's not I get to a certain age and now I can have a spiritual experience. But in the beginning, I only had um, a physical nature experience. No, if you're conscious enough, which we all are, we can have both experiences now. Now, we may have to deepen them and adjust and have a time of, um, of figuring out how we're going to integrate them. But it isn't either or. It's to know the innate bliss and divinity of our soul is now, not later, it's now. So right now, my doing of my attention is very weak because of all the external influences we've had. Self-observation goes hand in hand with our ability to do attention, not being attention, which is that one parallel track, but to do attention. How am I in attention? And our weak attention is predicated on many external criteria and imbalances. We're influenced by the pressures of our time. We're inundated by too much data. Most of it, many pieces of it, which are not even accurate. And just us sorting through all of that is very time consuming. There are huge power struggles that are going on, social justice, politics, 
environmental degradation. So doing attention is really a task. It's really a task. And we start with the doing attention because it helps us to pay more um, credence to our self-observation. So attention and self-observation are two aspects that work together for us to be able to really recognize where we are and how we're moving. So we develop attention that will allow us to be in the portal to move on to this other path of beingness. This is our portal, being attentive in attention, in our self-observation with ourselves and the world. This expands to the world. We're working in self-observation right now because we have to start with self, but this is really about observation of the world. We want to be cognizant of what's really going on, not um, intellectually, not emotionally, but both energetically and just with the, um, the juiciness that comes out of people, how we can include that in our lives, how we can be a part of that and start breaking down those boundaries that exist everywhere that are causing us so much distress. So there are a few simple ways that we can start this practice that overlay the four fundamental guidelines that we talked about in self-observation. So the first is to, as you go through your day, is to pay attention to any unnecessary tension in the body. So we talked about following the sensations in our in the self-observation fundamentals. This is a little different. This is about finding the area in your body where you experience tension. So I'm gonna say that most people find it's their neck or their back or their face, it could be their jaw, their spine. Um, those are typical places where we carry our stress. Start noticing yourself, where is that place in my body where the stress is? And noticing when that tension, when tension arises in that specific spot, because it's a clue for you. It's not just a gut feeling of, ooh, something's wrong. It's an actual tension, it's a constriction. It's more than just a feeling, it's a constriction. So start paying attention to that and notice when it comes up and what's going on when it comes up. The second is to track unnecessary thinking. So what I mean is unnecessary thought, any thinking which does, is not solving a technical problem or communicating, something that is not related to what is happening in the moment. So this is where we're thinking one thing and doing another, and you finish doing what you just did and you don't even remember how you did it or what it was because you were too busy thinking about something that happened in the past or you want to have happen in the future. Unnecessary thought, track it. This is about our working on our presence so that we can expand that so that it's in both of these lanes we're talking about. Both paths have this presence. Presence in terms of just some people will say, well, I am present. I notice what's going around me. I'm smelling things. I'm My senses are really heightened. Fabulous. That's fabulous. That's presence in the embodied form. We're talking about presence on the soul level, which is a whole different way of showing up in the world because it doesn't have all this attachment of excess emotion, excess thinking, excess tension. All of those things are reactive from the path of the embodied form, not the path of the, the more experienced and expanded form of our, our soul nature. So first we look, pay attention to where the unnecessary tension is in our body. Then we track unnecessary thinking. The third is to notice inappropriate emotion. Any emotion that comes up that is more 
than what is required for the immediate situation. It's not wrong for us to respond emotionally to that which is going on around us in an appropriate relationship to that. But it's when we over respond because we're reactive. Reactive response and emotion is different than being thoughtful and having the truth of a grief or a joy or an anger or whatever that comes up. That's, that is part of being human. But are we in inappropriate emotion? Any kind of emotion that you regret and that you hold within your body and mind well beyond the incident. So if you're replaying something of how you responded or something that happened over and over again in your mind or carrying it on beyond the situation, that's inappropriate emotion. And the fourth and last of these, these guidelines and practices is to track our habits. So part of being in the noticing and attention and self-observation is to become really aware of the pattern, our patterns in response our patterns in anticipation, and our patterns in judgment. So we have to start really as we're observing ourselves and we're in the attention phase, we watch how quickly we jump into something because that's how it was done before and that's how we responded before and that's how it worked before. We want to leave ourselves open because we're trying to bridge. We have these two paths going on and we're trying to get them close enough that they bleed in and out of one another. They become a dance rather than there's this distinct and this distinct. This is my embodied form and this is my soul nature. We want them to be one. So we're going to take and try and remove and to work with the pieces in our embodied form that are hindrances to us being able to bring these two paths together. And habits is one hindrance. The more we stay in habits, we stay tightly constructed. There's no way to merge. 